All right, gang, let's take our Bible and turn back to Nehemiah chapter number 5. Those of you that were here with us last week, I um, was not able to get all the way through the chapter, so as you can see, this is Nehemiah chapter 5, part 2. And uh, not as many verses, so hopefully we'll be able to get through it uh, today. Nehemiah 5. And I will read verse 14 down through verse number 19. And so, if you have a Bible there, you follow along silently as I'll read for us corporately. The Bible says in verse number 14, Nehemiah chapter number 5, Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, for 12 years... Neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine, besides forty shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of the Lord or the fear of God. I also applied myself to the work on this wall, We did not buy any land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now that which was prepared for each day was one ox and six choice sheep. Also birds were prepared for me. And once in ten days, all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance." Yet for all of this I did not demand the governor's food allowance because of the servitude was heavy on the people. Remember me, O my God, for God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Would you join me in a word of prayer and ask that the Lord would help us now. Father, we come to you now on this time and we want to thank you so much for the opportunity to worship on this day and Uh, A great Sunday school hour where we're learning the Word and fellowshipping, growing together. And then, dear Lord, for us to be able to meet corporately and uh, to sing songs that worship and glorify You and remind us of what Christ has done for us. And uh, Lord, we call upon the Spirit of God now to help us in this time. We thank You for opportunities to pray, opportunities to give uh, back sacrificially to Your work. And now, Lord, we open Your Word And we are confident that the Word that sits in our lap is the very voice of God. And so I pray that every human being in this room today would take seriously the words on the page, that we would take them as coming from You, that we would be obedient, that we would learn, Lord, uh, how to be good leaders in our homes, in our church, with our family and friends and work. Lord, that most importantly, we would turn our eyes upon Jesus Christ and see how He is the great leader of the way, the great leader of the faith, and that how He gave Himself for our sins and died that we might have eternal life. We love You now. Please bless the reading, the proclamation of Your holy and wonderful Word. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, when uh, we think about life in the natural world or we think about our spiritual life, Uh, we uh, follow this pattern where you begin 
by following. You know, children, they grow up and they are, they are following mom and dad. They are following teachers. And the same goes in our Christian life that as you're young and early on in being a believer, really you're following the Lord Jesus and you're learning to follow those that are above you in the faith. And yet we would all say that it doesn't take too long in the natural world and it doesn't take too long in our spiritual lives before we are all doing a little bit of both where we are learning to follow and at the same time we are leading other people. And you may be in this room today and say, well, who am I? I'm not a leader. I'm not the pastor. I'm not the worship leader. I'm not praise team. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a deacon. But you be assured that if you've any lived any amount of life and if you have been saved and following Jesus for any amount of time, whether you know it or not, you are a leader. People are looking to you. Very simple definition of leadership is that which gives influence. Now, you would want to flesh that out much more, but we have to say that leadership in some way influences the people that we are around. And all of us in this room, not just me, but every person in this room, you are a leader. I remember years ago, I loved watching basketball, and, and um, I remember when Charles Barkley kind of came out and he said, I'm not a role model. Well, I don't have Charles Barkley money, and uh, he's so big he could probably beat me up, so if you're listening, I'm sorry, but everybody is a role model. You don't get the option of whether you want to be a role model or not. You don't get the option of whether you want to be a leader or not. You don't get an option of whether you want to disciple other people or not. The, the question here is not whether you are leading people, but how you're leading them. For some of you, you're leading your children, you're leading your spouse. You're leading your friends. You might be in here today and be 12 years old. If you have brothers or sisters or friends at school or friends in this church, you're leading. And all of us together on this day, I want you to own and feel that responsibility for a moment before we walk through this text. You can deny it, look away from it, and sweep it under the rug all you want, but people are looking to you. Now, I just want to put that in your lap, and I want to ask you today, how is your leadership before God? If you had to stand before Jesus today, and He asked you some diagnostic questions, and, and you had to give an account for the way that you're leading the people in your life that are looking at you, Brothers and sisters, please don't, please don't slip here for a minute. I'll get to the text, but don't think for a moment that just because your personality is somehow introverted or that you're not some sort of bombastic leader, you are a leader. People are looking to your life for influence. They're looking to see if you truly are behaving and following and looking to Jesus and if you were standing before Jesus Christ today and He said, in the small sphere of life that I have given you, how are you doing with your coworkers, with your children and grandchildren, with your friends, with your neighbors, the people that watch you mow your lawn? With the people that are in your life that see you from day to day, how does your leadership look according to God? Well, Nehemiah provides for us in this text an example of good leadership. And so let me give you four points. Uh, I'm going to give them to you ahead of time, and then I'll just walk back down through the text. Here are the four points I want us to see today from this text. First of all, we lead by loving people. We lead by loving people. 
Number two, we lead by serving with people. We lead by serving with people. Number three, we lead for something greater than ourselves. We lead for something greater than ourselves. And lastly, number four, we lead by looking to Jesus. We lead by looking to Jesus. So let's walk back down through this text and let me just flesh these out for us today. First of all, we lead by loving people. Look at verse number 14 at the end part of it. It says, Neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. And then look at what it says in verse number 15. But the former governors... Those who came before, the leadership that was behind me, those governors who were before, they laid heavy burdens on the people and they took from them bread and wine and 40 shekels of silver and even their servants were domineering over the people of God. Brothers and sisters, I want to say to us that the way that we lead by loving people is that we make a break from past bad leadership. If you truly want to love the people that you influence, if you want to love the people of this church, if you want to love the people in your family and your co-workers and your friends and your schoolmates, then you make a break from past bad leadership. I want to say, maybe just kind of pry into your life for a minute, I want to say there are some people in this room that when you think about mom and dad, it's not always the best thing. For some of you, you say, man, my mom and dad were great and they loved me and they raised me right. Man, praise God for that. But I want to say in a crowd this size, there are a number of people in this room that don't have good leadership to look to in the past. And I want to say, don't be doomed to repeat those mistakes. If you really want to be a leader in your life and in your family and your church, make a break from past bad leadership. Nehemiah says, I'm not going to take of the governor's allowance. I'm not going to put a heavy burden on these people. Why? Because those who came before me hurt the people of God. And I'm going to make a break from that. And if you feel yourself, sir, or you feel yourself, ma'am, that you are beginning to live with your spouse the way that your mom or dad lived with their spouse, and it was unhealthy and ungodly, and it wasn't the way that the Bible said we should relate to each other, then this is the day, this is the day to make a break from that, repent of that, and say, I'm going to love my parents and the Lord. They were good people. They were created in the image of God. But what they did was wrong, and I will follow Jesus Christ. Now look, I'm going to talk to personnel. If I've got to preach and say amen at the same time, I'm getting double time today, amen? (laughs) Or maybe I just hit too close to home for some of you. If you're the kind of person that you have people that are working for you and you find yourself to be a slave driver and mean and micromanaging and you're, the only thing you can say is, you know, spit out some kind of thing like an old time say, well, that's the, that's the way I, that's the way they treated me when I was working, that's the way I'm going to treat them. Fooey on a bunch of that garbage. Go to the Bible and figure out how to lead people in grace and love and joy and peace and discipleship. Make a break. If you want to lead people, you love people. And the way that you love people is that you make a break from bad leadership and you follow the Word of God when it comes to leadership. Don't raise your children to be the way that your grandparents were if your grandparents weren't right with Jesus. Lead your children to grow up and love Jesus. Some of you, you have expectations 
of your friends and your work and your spouse that are unhealthy and ungodly and they're the expectations that you've put on them, not that Jesus has put on them. And in fact, some of you are looking for your spouse to be Jesus when you should be looking to Jesus and seeing and loving your spouse in light of Him or her. You want to love? You want to lead? You love by making a break from bad leadership. Hey, I'm going to pause for a moment. This is a family day today. This is all of us together. The way that you treat each other, the way that you correct each other, when you have a problem with one another, don't you go back. Listen, I'll tell you, you know, when I came to this church, I wanted just enough history. I wanted to know just enough history not to get and step on landmines, but a lot of it I didn't want to know because I'm going to leave all of that in the past and we're just going to go on for Jesus. I don't know all the leadership. We've had great leadership here in the past. I don't know everything, but this is what I do know. If the way that you deal with confrontation and problems and, and resentment and stuff inside the church body is built upon a past structure that was ungodly and caused divisions and people got upset, you need to take that stuff and file it in, uh, in, in file 13 and go to the Word of God and treat people with love and you'll lead them in the right way to deal with each other. I don't have any sugar to make the spoonful of medicine go down any better today, but I'm telling you, that's the way we've got to be with each other. You want to lead? You love. You want to love? Make a break from past bad leadership in your life. And if you're sitting here today and you say, I'm not sure about that. Go home and pray. I'm not some sort of psychoanalyst, but I will tell you that if you pray and get before God, He'll reveal things in your heart that have come up in years gone by, and you've got to lay that stuff on the altar. You know, some of you, you, if you would just ever open up and communicate with the people in your life and tell them about the past heartaches that have brought you to where you are and why you act the way that you do, it would be mind-blowing for your relationships. I've told you all before, about how that story about how when uh, Connie and I went on that date, saved all that money, we went down here to the 518. I don't think that place exists anymore. And on the way back, the transmission busted in our car. And I, I got in her an ice cream, and she's sitting there in the Kroger parking lot licking on the ice cream like nothing in the world's wrong. And I'm getting a bad attitude. I'm sweating. I'm so angry. You know why we had this? Because I was too egotistical to tell her that all my life I had nothing but jalopies that broke down and the greatest fear in my life, sad to say, is when things break down. And had I done that, we'd have been much better off. I just want to say to all of you today, this isn't a counseling session, but if you've got some things in your life and you say, man, that's, that's the reason why I treat my children that way, that's the reason why I treat my spouse that way. That's the reason why I don't do what I'm supposed to do at work. That's the reason why I treat other people in church that way because I've always done it and I learned that from this. Make a break from that and go to the Bible and learn how to love and lead people appropriately. I would say secondly, we lead by loving people when we identify with them. 
when we empathize with them, when we learn to put ourselves in the place of that person and feel and experience and know what they're going through the very best way we can. I want you to see the repetition that this is almost a bookend. It's what's called an inclusio, but it's a bookend. Look at the end of verse number 14. Neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. And then verse 19 is just, uh, we'll get to that. It's an addendum to this chapter. But really the end here is in verse number 18. And look at the end of verse number 18. Yet for all this, I did not demand the governor's food allowance because of the servitude was heavy on this people. We lead people by loving them. And if you want to love them, make a break from past bad leadership and learn to identify with God's people. You see, Nehemiah, he was, uh, he was this leader and he was the one that was in charge and all the weight was on his shoulders, but he willingly decided, I'm not going to take that governor's allowance. I'm not going to take that extra food. I'm not going to take the easy road. I'm not going to sit in an ivory tower and watch God's people work. I'm going to get down on that level and I'm going I'm to eat with them and work with them and love them and I'm going to identify with what it means to be those people. A wise old pastor once told me, he said, listen, a shepherd always smells like sheep. It's nonsense of your pastor if I somehow come in here on Sunday morning and sit up in the office and, and pine away over books if I don't come down and talk with you and love you. When I leave here every Sunday, I'll tell you what I want to feel in my soul. I want to feel as if I've given everything that I have to you and it wasn't enough. And I want to tell you the way that you ought to feel with your family and with your friends and in your life. You ought to feel like you've given everything that you have to identify and to love them and to empathize with them and feel where they are in life and be their friend, be their lover. I've asked you before, but I just ask you again. Do you know about the people's problems in this church? Not from gossip, but because you take the time to talk to people. And listen to them. <laughs> you know, sometimes I give you a little Steve advice. And I told you last week, I said, you can kind of determine your, you can monitor your Christian growth by how often you say, I'm sorry. Here's another one. You'll know that you're actually making progress in your Christian life in community when you're not the one that's dominating the conversation. Ask people about their life. Talk to them about what's going on. Feel with them where they are. Learn to empathize. Learn to be and identify with the Lord's people. Can I just maybe say, the Lord has helped us. We're doing a good job. Man, y'all saying great today. That is a wonderful area where our church is growing. There was a day and time where when, when, uh, you, just, you could tell when a song was played, maybe it was him, uh, a hymn, uh, everybody that didn't like hymns, I'm, mm, I don't sing no hymn. That's old fogey music right there. I ain't going to sing it. Instead of saying, maybe those hymns mean something to the people in this church. And it's not my cup of tea, but I'm going to love them and I'm going to rejoice in them and I'm going I'm to empathize and I'm going to identify with them. And if that, word, if that music makes these people worship, then I'll stand alongside of them and sacrifice my heart and I'll worship with them too. And vice versa. Some of it used to be where a song came on and had a syncopated rhythm or maybe the drum was foot tapping or something. I'm not singing that. Look out here and see who is singing. That person's my age. How dare her sing that song? She's not right with God. Instead of being the kind of person that says, well, 
I'm singing and I don't quite make all the breaks and stuff because I'm unfamiliar with that tune. But the people that are around me seem to love it. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the best I can to sing to the glory of God and love and pray for the brothers and sisters that are around me. We're making progress there. I want to say as a church, if you want to lead your family, you want to lead the people that are around you, you have to love them. Make a break from past bad leadership, right? Identify with the people that are under your leadership. And here's a third point, and we'll move on. Model leadership to young leaders. Look back down, if you will, at the text. I think verse 15 and 16 are very interesting. But the former governors, that's the head honchos who were before me, they laid heavy burdens on the people and they took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver, semicolon. Even their servants, that's the governor's servants, right? They got the head honcho, then you got like the mediocre honchos, and then you got everybody else. Even the mediocre honchos were learning from upline at the governor's uh, table how to abuse the people. And even their servants domineered the people. But I do not do so because of the fear of God. Now watch, we'll get to this in a minute. I also applied myself to the work on this wall. We, plural, did not buy any land and all my servants were gathered there for what? To domineer the people or to work? work. If you want to lead people, you lead by loving them. And if you want to do that, you make this break from past bad leadership. You identify with God's people and you disciple those who are coming along behind you, who one day will stand in the choir, who one day will uh, teach these Sunday school classes, who one day will serve as the deacons of this church, who one day will play the piano and lead here, and one day in the long, long future from now stand here and preach the Word of God. Lead those people who are coming behind to love the Lord. Hey, I want you all to hear me right now. This is a teaching moment. You may be in here today and you may be in your teen years. And if you've got a younger brother or sister, you're leading them for the next generation. They're looking to you they're listening to you, they're watching you, and they're going to say what you say and do what you do. Are you leading them like Nehemiah? To love God's people? To identify, to break with past leadership? Or are you leading them like these past governors to be hateful and mean and arrogant and domineering? How are you leading your brothers and sisters? I say that to all of us in here today. To moms and dads, brothers, sisters, workers and bosses alike, men and women. Your family will one day be the next generation of leaders in the Christian faith. What are you telling them about the Lord? What are you telling them about God's people? Are you leading them well? Are you leading them to love? Or are you leading them to make fun of and put down and to be self-centered?
Be careful about the conversations you have when you leave this place. Because little ears, well, I have big ears, but little ears, they're listening. And what you say and what you do and what you think about God and His people, they'll take it a step beyond that. You, you might be, have served the Lord for a long time and you leave and you talk about things that you don't like, but deep inside, I love the Lord, I love His people. Hey, it's one big, it's one big family, we just make it work. But if you run down and beat up God's people, your children don't have the same base that you have and 15 years from now, they won't have that one tie that pulls us back in Christ. They'll say, uh, mom and dad didn't really ever lift anybody up. I don't care about those folks. Just learn to lead and to lead with love. Let me make a couple of quick points. We'll be finished. Look at number two. We lead by serving with people. Look at verse number 16. You can see where I get that. I also applied myself to the work on this wall. I think I might have taken that passage. You know, during the week I read the scripture, I think of the points, and then I try and go live it out. And, um, and I think I might have taken that a little too seriously this week. So I grabbed about a hundred, one of these days a week, I grabbed about a hundred of those door hangers for vacation Bible school. And I was like, I'm going out in the neighborhood. Here we go. I'm going to serve Jesus. And uh, man, I, I handed, I put about a hundred of those door hangers out and looked down and realized that my clothes were sopping wet from sweat. I had to go home and take a shower before I could even come back to work. So listen, all I'm saying is I was thinking there and thinking, hey, I got to identify. I'm not going to ask our people to do anything that I'm not going to do. And I'm asking you now, I'm going to go out here this next week after the 4th of July and I'm going to go out here and hang out some more and I'm going to talk to people and I'm just asking you, jump in the work alongside. You want to lead your family? You want to lead in the church? You lead by serving with people, not over people, not under people, beside people, with people. I'm asking you to leave here today and this next week and every week until vacation Bible school, I'm asking you to call the phone, people on the phone, talk to people at work, stop people at the grocery store and when you go out to eat and invite those people to come be a part of vacation Bible school. And if you want, come get some of the flyers and we'll go out in the neighborhood together. I don't know, maybe you can figure out a better way. You can volunteer to drive and then have your family jump out and get all hot and sweaty while they you know, go put the door hangers out and you just keep the A.C. blowing on you. That sounds like a good idea. I'll drive and Jamie can put out the... <laughs> uh, hey, listen, we lead by serving with people. Let me just give you two quick points here under that. Uh, our actions always speak louder than our words. Amen. Okay? Your actions always speak louder than words. So listen, don't, don't come in here. I mean, we, we want to worship and rah, rah, ray. Jesus is everything. But when you leave here, go serve Jesus. Amen? That's what you need to do. Your actions always speak louder than your words. Secondly, I would say that when we lead by serving people, it's not only our actions, but it requires sacrifice. And I would say that to you that sacrifice is a key to leadership. Look at what it says down in uh, verse number... Um, Verse number 17, Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Our reading group on uh, Fridays at lunchtime, uh, we gather around, we read the preaching text, and I listen to them, and they help me to kind of think through this text. But if you read the entirety of chapter number 5, you'll find here well, what Nehemiah is saying is, I refused the governor's financial help. And so when these Jews and officials came to the table, guess who was footing the bill for all? all of this, Nehemiah was. 
Nehemiah said, listen, I'm going to serve with my actions and I'm going to serve by sacrificing. And we've got to be the kind of people that if we're going to lead and serve with people that we sacrifice to the Lord and we sacrifice with each other in the way that we live. Number three, we lead for something greater than ourselves. You can see three of those. If you look at the end of verse number 15, you see that Nehemiah says, I didn't do that because of the fear of God. We lead for something that's larger than ourselves. I would say that first of all, we lead for the fear or the reverence or or, or the holiness of God. We lead before God. It is for His glory and His honor and His power and His kingdom on planet earth. Not our being lifted up. We don't serve to be seen. We serve so that He is seen. We lead for the good of His people. Look at the end of verse number 19. Remember me, O my God, for good according to all that I've done for this people. When we serve, we begin by serving to the glory of God, but we serve secondly for our brothers and sisters. And that includes little boys and little girls and teenagers and young adults and senior adults. It includes everybody in this room and everybody in our neighborhood that we serve for the good of the brothers and sisters. Put others first. That's what the New Testament says. Esteem others greater than yourself. We lead with a steadfast hope. Look at the end of it. Look at verse number 19. What's he say? Remember me, O God. You know why he wants God to remember him? Because he knows there's a future that's coming. He knows there's a day when God will make all things right and come back. He has a great hope for the future. I want to say what we're doing at this church by evangelism and missions and discipleship and trying to win our community to Jesus and trying to win the world, you may think at times, oh, it's, we're, you know, we're not the greatest church in the world. We're not the biggest church in the world. What can we do? I'll say God sees what we do. And the Bible says despise not the day of small things. Live for something that is greater and bigger and beyond yourself. And God will be glorified. The people will be helped. And when Jesus comes again, He'll find faith in Emmanuel Baptist Church. You want to lead, love people. You want to lead, serve serve with people. You want to lead, do it for something that is larger than yourself. And let me just finish by saying this. We lead by looking to Jesus Christ. Nehemiah is a foreshadow of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what it says here? Nehemiah did it for the reverence and the fear of God and the good of the brothers. And what does the Bible say? Jesus says in the New Testament, I do always those things that please Him. And the book of Hebrews says that He came to be flesh and blood with His brothers and that God saw all through heaven that it was fitting for only His begotten Son to come into the world and to identify with His people and to die on the cross for our sins and be raised again the third day. Jesus is the greater, greatest leader of all time. Look to Jesus. Look through Nehemiah's example and see Jesus on the other end of that. Amen. For in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Himself refused the allowance of the governor. He identified with His people. And He served them. 
by dying and rising again. I wonder if there are believers in this room that would say, in my Christian life, today's the day that I need to die and rise again in Christ. And I want to lead. I want to lead through love. I want to lead by serving with people. And I want to lead for something that's more than me. And I wonder if there's anybody in this room today that does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Look to Jesus and be saved. He died for you. He rose for you. And if you will drop your weapons in pride and call on Him to save you, He will save you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Just a minute. We'll stand and sing a song together. And these altars will be open. Hey, no one looking around. I'll just give you an opportunity. If you haven't prayed this week, this is a great time just to pray by yourself. Maybe pray with your spouse or your family right where you are. You are a leader. What are you doing with it? Maybe, maybe for some of you here today, you've been leading wrong. And other people are being led away from Jesus by the way that you're leading. Repent of that now. And turn to Jesus. For some of you here today, you don't know the Lord. You are not a believer. I am telling you that the greatest leader in all the world is knocking at your heart's door. And if you'll bow before Him and receive Him as the leader of your life, just call on Him right where you are. It's a good opportunity to pray.